0: Bismillah rahim Nahmaduhu wa nusalli ala Rasululul Kareem We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. Continuing on to chapter, uh, uh, chapter 1 of Kandelvi's book, The Holy Quran, page 29. Okay, number first section is fulfilling the proper, uh, properties of the Quran. Sayyidina Abdullah <laughs> ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu said,
1: If you seek knowledge, then ponder into the meaning of the Quran. The Qur'an is a trove of sacred knowledge and guidance for all times, but to acquire this knowledge, one must fulfill, fulfill the necessary conditions and pro, uh, properties, of, properties of properties of the Qur'an. Unfortunately, we live in, the, in, an er, in an era where once a person learns a bit of the Arabic language and memorizes the translation of the Qur'an, he thinks he has the right to make his own opinions regarding the Qur'an. The Blessed Prophet ﷺ said, Whosoever explains the Qur'an from his own opinion is wrong even if he is doing right. Modernists uh, generally ignore the opinions and uh, 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 exegesis of the pious predecessors, issuing uh, fatwas that are based on their own whims. In our time, the modernist desires to embody all the greatest attributes in every field. If he can write simple Arabic, articulate himself in his native language, or deliver impromptu speeches, he sees himself the teacher of junaid and shibli in tasawwuf, and also a mujtahid in fiqh, uh, Islamic jurisprudence. He introduces new ideas in the exegeses of the Qur'an without concern for the opi- opinions of the pious, pious predecessors or that his opinions contradict the ahadith of the Blessed Prophet So this,
0: this point is also very straightforward. And I mean the basic rule of thumb uh, in terms of human behavior is that when you get a little bit of knowledge that's when you get dangerous or you might have just enough knowledge to become dangerous. It was the same issue when I worked in IT that there were some people who knew a little bit more in terms of computer operating systems and such, and they'll just make all kinds of changes and cause a big mess. Mm -hmm. And such is also the case with knowledge of deen. And so there is a whole uh, uh, training process. Okay, continue.
1: (coughs) He is whimsical in matters of deen. He states his heart's desire, no uh, no matter how much it contradicts the Quran and the Sunnah. Despite this, no one discredits him, protests his incompetence, or shows him his deviation.
0: So the key word there is whimsical. Um, when we were discussing, you know, um, the interpretation of the Quran in class, one key point is having a methodology of interpretation. Otherwise, you're going to pick and choose what things mean. Correct. Okay, continue.
1: If one gathers the courage to say this is against the teachings of the pious predecessors, he is immediately branded as a psychophant of the pious predecessors. He is condemned in ultra-orthodox and uh, uh, as ultra-orthodox and anti-intellectual and someone not attuned in the modern world. Conversely, if a person rejects the explanations of the pious predecessors and lays out his own views on the matters of deen, he's looked upon as an authority, muhaqqik, in the deen.
0: So, I mean, <laughs> here, uh, when this book was written, I don't know how many people were doing this. I don't think there are that many. Now it's become very, very common, right? Um, and, and the key thing to be careful about is, am I contradicting the Prophet, peace be upon him, number one? And then number two, am I contradicting the tradition? Right. And the key thing to take from the tradition is that there's a history of interpretation of the text. right? Mm-hmm. And if I bypass all that, I'm basically saying I'm smarter than all those people. Right. It's different if someone is just trying to get people closer to the Quran. Right? But if someone is saying, this is what this means, mm-hmm. then they have to be very careful. Okay, so the 15 sciences of the Qur'an. Uh,
1: just a quick question. Yeah. Um, how does this translate in the, like for those people who, uh, like those individuals who say that, like, you know, we need to reinterpret the Qur'an?
0: Or... I mean, <laughs> it, as an idea, that's not really a problem. Mm-hmm. The issue is always how, mm-hmm. right? Um, because every generation has a responsibility of figuring out how to practice Islam for their generation, Right. Now, what you find very often, one of the first tests to look at is, how do such and such people regard the hadith? If someone is saying we should get rid of the hadith, then they don't know what they're talking about. right? Uh, if someone is saying we need to reinterpret the hadith also, then again, the question is how. Right? And so what you'll see, and the difference between a lot of sectarian groups, is how do, what is their stance on hadith? Right? And then by extension, what is their stance on the sunnah? And what you find a lot of people is they don't appreciate the Prophet peace be upon him as anyone but someone who's just whose job is just to carry the Quran and give it to us, mm-hmm. as opposed to someone whose whole being is inseparable from the Quran, right? So as an idea, the idea of reinterpretation is is nothing new, mm-hmm. um, but it, the question is how. Yeah. So then,
1: because like I remember there was I was taking a class previously, and like one of the big things was that like. Um, like for the last like fourteen hundred years, is uh, like uh, the interpretation of Quran has been only by men, and we have to like go back and ch- sure. change that. So what's that like? How does that even- I mean,
0: I don't think it's a very strong argument uh, that uh, it's only by men. Therefore, we have to change things. Yeah. I mean, the the part of as we'll see in the fifteen sciences, um, there's nothing preventing female scholarship. Mm-hmm. The problem, is, number one, is a lot of female scholarship has not been transmitted through the generations. Um, but sure, go ahead but the key is the how, right? I mean, that's one of the big questions all across different religions is, has the approach towards gender been appropriate or has been fair, Mm -hmm. right? And the default opinion regarding Christianity is no. The default opinion more and more towards Judaism is no. And now more and more people are pushing that same point regarding Islam. And Allah knows best, right? Uh, I mean, in the same way, someone else can say that, okay, we need something for the modern era, Fine, but how? Right? If you're going to work through the tradition, everyone's got, all the people of the, the ulama by and large are going to agree with you, right? whether you're a man or a woman. Right? If you're going to say the tradition doesn't work, even then you should argue from within the tradition why it doesn't work. So it's just like you know, if, if a bunch of physicians have a particular opinion and I walk in with no knowledge, and I say, yeah, you should take this, this drug and that drug. If I can explain to them how and why, then they can critique it. Mm-hmm. But if I'm just saying, now I have this insight, um, then that's a problem, mm-hmm. right? And that's how it is with this, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you got to show someone that you know what you're talking about, yeah. and 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 if people figure out pretty quickly that you don't know what you're talking, you don't know what you're talking about, they're gonna write you off, no matter how smart you are, or how popular you are. Mm-hmm. So that's the basic point. So I don't have an issue with, you know, people arguing that there's patriarchy in our the history of our tradition if they can go from within the tradition and then and then give analysis, interpretation, etc. Mm-hmm. that they would argue is is more sound in terms of how they're approaching gender. Yeah. Um, you just got to do it from within the tradition. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah.
1: Oh, so then how does that you you probably know like for how does that work with like Amana with
0: so, I mean, we could, we could at some point even go through Amina Wadud's book. It's, it's here somewhere. Uh-uh. No. The one in the Quran, right? Yeah, Quran of Women. She has another book inside the gender jihad. It's probably over on that uh, shelf. That book, <coughs> the preface is different than the content. The content, I don't think there's anything controversial about it. She's just basically saying, here's all the women in the Quran, here's what the Quran says about them. Done, right? The preface is where she says, you know, the history of the interpretation of the Quran is more. Is patriarchal, but she doesn't give any evidence. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what am I just supposed to agree with that automatically, right? Like it would be like someone else saying the history of the interpretation of the Quran is ju- all written by Arabs. Um, okay, show me proof. And and so so she is a very big scholar in the academic sen- uh, setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I don't have enough knowledge to critique her actual knowledge in terms of the tradition, mm-hmm. right? And, and so, again, if someone is coming up and arguing that we need a different interpretation, then show your arguments. Some of the arguments that she shared I don't find to be very profound. Some of the arguments she takes from Fazul Rahman, uh, who is another big, big figure. Uh, he dies in the late 80s. Um, and Fazul Rahman was a very towering intellect himself, uh, but when he would speak about reinterpretation, I don't think he was saying anything profound. I don't think he was saying anything novel, and part of the issue is that if you use an interpretation, it didn't seem to it seemed to be so vague that you could interpret it any way you want. Mm-hmm. This is double movement theory, mm-hmm. um, so so it's hard to critique just because of someone's claims. You want to see what are they? You know, okay, show me interpretation, mm-hmm. right? And not even just you know a simple idea. Show me what you know what your what your conclusion is and how you're getting there, right? And that, that's open to everyone. Yeah. So suppose you have a non-Muslim who wants to write tafsir. Mm-hmm. Uh, in theory, they've got to go through all these sciences themselves.
1: Through the traditional, so you couldn't be missing on all. Of it, okay?
0: Yeah, and, and so also in our era where, you know, you have a lot of non-Muslim academic scholars of Islam, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of them do make commentary on the Qur'an. And again, show me where you're getting this from. Uh, Show me that you're giving me something more than clever insights, mm-hmm. right? No?
1: Okay. 15 sciences of the Qur'an. This is despite the fact that exegetists mufa, yeah. listed 15 sciences that must be mastered before one can authorit- authoritatively interpret the Qur'an. These are classical Arabic. Is how These are one, classical Arabic is how one learns the meaning of each word. Mujahid said, It is not permissible for one who holds faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Day of Judgment to speak on the Qur'an without learning classical Arabic. In this respect, it should be known that classical Arabic must be mastered in its entirety because one word may have various meanings. A person may only know know two or three meanings to one word, whereas the meaning of that same word in the Qur'an may be altogether different.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I don't know if it's possible to have... Uh, uh, mastery of Arabic in its entirety. Mm-hmm. And so what is probably being meant here is mastering all of the core vocabulary mm-hmm. and mastering all of the... Well, the grammar is going to be addressed in a moment. Yeah. Right? Uh, Arabic is one of the... Like, you know, a friend of mine posted a joke on Facebook saying, those of you who are studying Arabic, relax. Only the first 25 years are difficult. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I, I had an Arabic teacher who said that it'll take you 13 years to, to become fluent. <coughs> other languages you can become fluent in one year. Yeah. yeah.
1: Number two, the science of Arabic syntax it, um, is important because uh, any change in the diacritical marks affects the meaning. And understanding the diacritical marks depends on the science of Arabic syntax. Number three, the science of Arabic morphology الصح- uh, الصرف, is important because changes in the conjugations of nouns and verbs change the meaning. Uh, change the meaning. Ibn Farid said, a person who misses out on Arabic morphology has missed out on a lot. Zamakshari writes in Ujubat al Tafsir that one man recited the ayah a-ruzu min think of the day when we will call every people with their book of deeds. Because of his ignorance of Arabic morphology, him, he mistranslated the ayah as think of the day when we will call every every people by their mother.
0: Uh-huh. Imam? Um, mom? Okay, that's a big blunder. That's actually like a bizarrely big blunder. <laughs> but yeah, zamakhshari, um he he was mutazila, and he's considered to be one of the giants uh, in terms of the grammar of of uh, Quran. So uh, those mutazila were very good for for grammar. That was the core of what they needed. So he yeah. made the mistake. Or? So he's is saying he's pointing out someone else making oh, a okay, mistake. Okay, yeah.
1: Perfect. He thought the word imam which is singular was the plural of um uh, mother had he known morphology he would know that uh, know that imam is not the plural of um mm-hmm. the science of arabic etymology ilmul ishtiqaq should be learned because mean, because sometimes one word derives from two root words the meaning of each root word being different this, ex, this science explains the reciprocal relation for and radical composition between the root and derived word for example, uh, mash derives masah. oh mas masha, derives from the root word masah, which means to feel and to touch something with a wet hand, but also derives from the wor- root word masihah, which means to measure. Mm-hmm. Number five, Arabic sem- semantics, al is the science which teaches about phrase construction and its implications on meaning. Number six, the science of expression, al-mulbayan, is the science of which uh, by which one learns the similes, metaphors uh yeah uh, evident zuhr and hidden meanings khafi, uh, khafi of the arabic language number 7 the science of rhetoric is the science which uh, through which one learns to interpret signs uh, sentences which rever- uh, reveal the beauty and eloquence of the spoken and written word the above mentioned three sciences are categorized as the science of eloquence it is one of the most indispensable tools for the exegete because he is able to reveal the miraculous nature of the quran through these three sciences mm-hmm. number 8 the science of arabic pronunciation uh, as important because one reading of the quran may differ in meaning from another and one learns to favor one reading over another based on the difference of uh, difference in the meanings number 9 the science of islamic doctrine is important because we cannot attribute the literal meaning of certain ayahs to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. In this case, one will be required to interpret the ayah as in the ayah, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala's hand is over their hand. Mm-hmm. Number ten, the uh, principles of Islamic jurisprudence, usool al-fiqh, are important so one understands the methodology of legal de- derivation, and de- uh, derivation and interpretation. Number eleven, the science of circumstances of revelation, asbab uh, asbabun nuzul. Is the science, is the field by which one learns the circumstances in which an ayah is revealed. It is an important science because the meaning of the ayah is more clearly understood once the circumstances in which it was revealed is known. Sometimes the meaning of an ayah is wholly dependent on its historical background. Number 12, the science of abrogated and abrogating ayahs. ayahs ilmul nakhsh, is, oh, nasr, is important because abrogated rulings must be differentiated from the applied meanings or rulings. Number 13, Islamic jurisprudence is important because one cannot gain an overview of any issue until he has understood its particulars. Number 14, the science of Ahadith. hadith al-Ahadith is important because the hadith. explain general mujmal al this It's funny because like each of these is just like... <laughs> <laughs> They're a whole field of yeah, its own. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Number 15, the endowed knowledge, al ilm al-Laduni, lad- al- which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants to His closest servants. They are... The servants ind- uh, indicated in the in the hadith, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will grant, one who acts upon whatever he knows from a knowledge he never knew, yeah. from a knowledge he never knew.
0: So yeah, these are, I mean, uh, so a way to frame it is that the first half of this, uh, more or less, uh, is to learn Arabic, mm-hmm. right? And then we have aqidah, fiqh, and then in terms of ayat, we have asbab al-nuzul, and then ilm al Nasqh, which overlaps with fiqh. And and then and so then we have more fiqh and then uh, hadith and all that and then the last one is this other special knowledge, right? Mm. And so the big part of it, like if you go to madrasa, the first few years are just Arabic, no. right? Mastering mastering Arabic, and it's also interesting. The non-Arab uh, seminaries often do a better job of teaching Quranic Arabic. Mm. Um, it'd be just like if you want to learn English, uh, you're often better off going to a different country, mm. like. If you go to India to learn English, you'll probably learn English better than someone who grew up here. Okay, let's stop right here. And the key point here is that, alright, Quran is not some simple tool that you can just say it means whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Because then if everyone did that, we would have absolute chaos. I say this, I, means this, it means I can kill you. I say this, I, means this, and I can kill you back. You know, that's the extreme of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Foundations of Sharia, uh, I mean, it's a very short thing, but let's touch on it next time, inshallah. Mm -hmm. All right, any other questions? Uh,
1: I mean, I think the question would be, like, it it just seems like almost impossible to actually even get to the stage where you're able to interpret. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's it's years. Mm. Uh, Here, I mean, it's speaking of mastery of all these things, and I don't know how many people uh, among the scholarly community have mastery of all these things. Uh, a lot of them have strong foundations in all these things mm-hmm. because like being a mufti is someone who's being who's being taught to be a master in usul al-fiqh mm-hmm. right someone who's an alim will uh, will not have that mm-hmm. and if you go to an alim for a religious ruling they're going to give you their opinion but you're better off going to a mufti right uh, that's why like for questions I will go to someone like mufti kamani mm-hmm. you know with with uh, with my questions even though I'm friends with a number of scholars yeah. Um, but I mean it does make it seem like it's impossible, but a way to think about this is that okay, you need to have a degree. Yeah. And so imagine these you got to take all these are all the classes you got to take. All right. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu Subhanakallah Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka be atubu ilaik wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahirabbil alamin.